Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Having worked in the summer camp industry for the past two decades, I'm convinced that summer camp professionals have a unique view on kids and young adults. I am certain that the stories that they've earned by working with and alongside thousands of kids and staff members from literally all over the world can be useful to parents, teachers, coaches, and mentors back home. So each week, I spend some time around the digital campfire with the leaders and thinkers of the summer camp world. We share stories, we laugh, we learn together, which really, when you think about it, is what we've been doing around campfires for as long as campfires have been around. So I hope that you'll spend the next few minutes around this digital campfire with me to see how you can take some of the magic and fun of summer camp and apply it to your life back home. This Campfire Conversation podcast is brought to you by our friends at Scope, who send hundreds of children from financially disadvantaged families to summer camp each year. Kate and I have supported Scope since our first summer in camping 17 years ago, and I'm thrilled they're supportive of this podcast. Stick around to the end of this Campfire Conversation to learn more about Scope, or press pause and head on over to them on the web at scopeusa.org. Take a walk through any airport or major city, and you'll see many, many people with their heads down, staring at their screens. Walk into many homes, and you'll find people of all ages interacting with game systems, TVs, phones, computers, iPads, Alexas, and the like. Tech is literally everywhere now. And yes, I know that you're using technology to listen to this podcast. I am fully aware and recognize the irony of using technology to help educate about the dangers of tech. But we're adults. We, with our fully mature brains, we get it, and yet we still have a hard time managing our time online. You might be good at it, but I, however, am not very good, at least away from camp. Our kids, resisting the urge to follow the dopamine rushes down the endless electronic rabbit hole is almost impossible without really good limits and really good examples. Thankfully, we have people like Michael Jacobus here to help us sort through what's healthy and what's not in terms of working with technology. Michael is a veteran camp leader, an internationally known writer, and the executive director of Reset Summer Camp. Michael has parented a screen-addicted child and now helps families all over the country get their children and themselves to grow past their unhealthy use of technology and into the world of healthy use of it. I can't stress the importance enough of this conversation. Young people need to become more aware of the dangers of an unhealthy attachment to screens, and we parents need to help. I hope you'll enjoy this campfire conversation with Michael Jacobus. Michael Jacobus, thank you so much for joining me around the campfire. My pleasure, sir. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. So so you're out in Palm Springs right now, which is where all of us wish we could be, uh, (laughs) working and speaking at a conference. I know we're going to jump into you know, the important topic of gaming addiction and, and what we know as camp professionals and how we can help families migrate through that. But before we get there, how did you get into camping and leave camping and then get back into it? Um, well, kind of by accident, as a lot of things in life, I grew up going to camp. Mm-hmm. I was a camper kid and then I was a CIT and a junior staffer. You know, I've, I've kind of done every job you can do at camp. <laughs> and um, And I started out going to church camp, just my local community church area, if I wasn't attending a Boy Scout camp, but I was more the church camp type. And, um, and I ended up running that camp um, in, into and out of college and uh, for first 10 years of, of my marriage. Wow. Uh, 
I did take a couple years off when my children were born and my wife was sort of like, yeah, you're not going to camp. <laughs> uh, but, uh, in general, I've been connected to or running summer camps for the past 33 years. And um, uh, the last decade of that, it sort of became a full-time year-round thing because I got into outdoor education. So if we weren't doing summer programs, we had fifth graders coming for science camp mm. you know, at the time. Got so I've, I've always had camp in my blood. Awesome. So now you, you took a break, you, you wrote a couple of books, and then explain to, to me exactly what Reset is, what your new project? My new project is called Reset Summer Camp, and it is a therapeutic program uh, hosted on college campuses for kids that are suffering from um, technology, overstimulation, uh, too much social media, gaming addiction, you know, way, way too much screens in their faces and not real life. Got it. Well, so... and. That's been the big piece of why I want to talk to you because I want to learn a little bit more. A lot of our campers and a lot of our families um, are dealing with this. And I mean, I've got tech kids as well. Um, what has led to this? What, what started this going? Is it just the iPhone or are there other factors? Well, I, I think it's a, a, a whole bunch of other factors. It's just kind of the speed at which our, our lives go and our, our social world goes. Um, tr truly, we're all trying to keep up. Every time I talk to parents about social media platforms or gaming, the minute I'm done speaking, it's old because something new has popped up. Mm -hmm. So I talk with parents all the time about, you know, uh, should they be um, monitoring their kids' uh, use of devices? And uh, should they be playing the games with their kids? And should they just unplug the game altogether and throw it in the trash? And I, I never have one single answer because it's all dependent on the kid and the family and the home life and can they manage or can they not manage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a, a big piece of it's it is a whole world experience. What what do you tell families? Well, I guess better question is if someone were to come to re reset, at what level is their addiction? At what level is the problem? Well, <clears throat> we we um, use the word addiction. Um, sparingly okay. because it means different things for different people. Um, uh, we use, we say unhealthy overuse habits a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I have uh, clinicians and PhDs and some MDs on my staff. So we, we try to draw the line between what you would think a drug program or an alcohol detox program versus a kid on his phone too much. And yeah. there's a lot of talk back and forth about what exactly that means. Mm -hmm. So the kids that come to our camp are, are kind of, uh, I call them on the fence. You know, they're still in school, but the grades are slipping. They're in their rooms on their devices hours a day, and the behavior is really getting bad, or mm -hmm. the language is getting bad, or the certainly the meals and the sleeping. You know, if they're up till three in the morning on Snapchat, that's that's a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll talk to parents and I'll say, you know, if they're if they're playing a couple hours a day and they're getting straight A's and they got a part time job and they're on the debate club, I I can't I got nothing to say. Right. Uh, but if they're on YouTube 16 hours a day and they're calling mom the B word and they're not showing up for meals and they go to sleep at four in the morning, then you should have that kid at my camp. Yep. Oh gosh. That's, that's a really scary place. And more and more I'm hearing families are going through those situations where, you know, kids are really totally checked out. Like you had a kid who was a, you know, a, an AB student, really engaged, polite, friendly. And then all of a sudden the tech world hits and something triggers them to go so far down the rabbit hole that it changes their entire you know, worldview and behavior. 
Yeah, I got an email this morning and I get them all the time from a parent that described her straight A athletic student is now, you know, at risk of dropping out and all he wants to do is play video games. So what is it about the interaction with the, the media that you're holding your hand or in front of you that causes that level of a deep dive? Well, and like I say, it's different for every kid mm-hmm. uh, and, and adults too. I mean, I get a lot of requests, will you take my 26-year-old and will you mm-hmm. take my 20? It's, it's really crazy. And yeah. some people get really, really affected and some people doesn't seem to affect. But um, I think... Uh, in general, if I had to make a statement about all the kids that come to our camp, because we get the gamer kids and what we call the streamers who are you know, watching YouTube and Netflix and porn and you know, whatever mm-hmm. they're watching that they shouldn't be watching, but it's mm-hmm. constant content. It's just not games. Yeah. And we get the girls. A lot of the girls are, uh, a friend of mine uh, is coining the phrase Instagram dysphoria. Mm-hmm. So they're wearing too much makeup, not enough clothing, too many filters. They all think they're going to be the next superstar uh, influencer and things like that. And I think there's such a drive for importance and belonging and connection. You know, like when we were kids, we didn't have this kind of stuff, but we still didn't want to be the dorky left out, picked last for the team kind of kid. Mm -hmm. So I think inherently we still do that and we still have that drive, but games and social media platforms are being ever more built and designed to trigger, you know, endorphins and dopamine and cortisol and things that, you know, Space Invaders was never designed to do. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a real uphill battle. Yeah, I remember distinctly playing uh, Miss Pac-Man over a weekend, getting to level, you know, 99. And yeah. at the end of the game, it said, congratulations, you beat all the levels. Yeah, the end. Nobody rescues the princess anymore. That's right. <laughs> there is no end. I, I would say that, you know, Fortnite is a little bit different. That's the game of the drug of choice these days, mm-hmm. which is probably soon to be outstripped by Apex, the next game coming up. And as soon as this podcast is over, the next game will be released. <laughs> but um the weird thing about that is there's gaming companies are now hiring people with, um, you know, brain chemistry education and right. psychology degrees, you know, not like licensed psychologists, but people who study this stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the old days they hired graphic designers and game coders, but nobody was hunting down how to make the game more addictive. Right. Um, yeah. And Fortnite, the, the trouble with the, these uh, games like Fortnite is the lobby. You know, they'll say it's a free game. And in between games, you go to the lobby, which is where you steal mom's credit card and buy all the cool stuff. And if you don't right. buy the cool stuff and your friend does, then you're not cool. And welcome to the, the vortex. Oh, man. It's just it, it's such a deep rabbit hole you can keep going in. And I mean, there are adults that have a really hard time stopping themselves to that you know if you give your child a you know your 13 14 15 year old or or 10 11 year old a credit card it's it's gone i mean they they have no conception of what that whole thing is about 200 um divorce petitions in the uk last year listed Fortnite and social media as the reason really? the marriage broke up so this is you know 20 and 30 year olds oh my gosh yeah it's crazy it's all all walks of life all age groups the gamers seem to be more male than female. The Instagram people seem to be more female than male. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it hits all of us. Man. One of the things you said earlier was the idea that we all strive for connection. And I, I totally agree. And I think that's one of the things that camp does so well is, is creates a community in which that connection happens between the campers and, and between the near peer staff members and, and every which way, shape and form. Um, but we don't have a lot of that 
you know, in our real lives, you know, some of us have, you know, full families. Some of us have families that live in different houses. Some of us have one single parent. It just, there's so many different pieces. And, and one of the pieces you wrote recently, you, you talked about the opposite of addiction is connection. Yes. Could, could you explain that for me? Well, it's funny because we'll, I, I hear the word fix all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy teasing my PhD a little bit because I can say things as a camp director that a trained PhD can't really say. And a parent, <laughs> would, a parent might come up and say, can you fix my kid? We've got this horrible problem. Mm-hmm. And obviously a trained therapist who has no diagnosis in front of him is not going to say, sure, no problem. You know, <laughs> he's going to ask a million questions and go deeper. I, as a camp director, say, absolutely, I can fix your kid. Yeah. But I'm going to treat your kid like a, like a flat tire. I'm going to pull the nail out and I'm going to patch him and I'm going to put, him, put air back in him, but then I'm going to give him back to you. Right. And you've been driving on nails. So are you going to come to the family workshop? Are you going to um, answer the phone for, uh, we, we call and follow up with our campers uh, once a week for 90 days. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be involved in that process? Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Deborah Gilboa is writing all our parent engagement uh, resource materials that'll carry that family throughout the summer and into and out of the next school year. So it's not a fix my kid problem. It's a fix the whole family problem. Right. So what we're finding with connection, you know, when I talk to groups of parents, my, my favorite slide on my presentation is just the word quiet. Mm. And I'll say to a whole room full of parents, I say, if you're a parent and I'm a parent, what do we really, really love at home? And then I'll flip the screen and the word quiet appears. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's the truth. And I'm yep. a parent and I'll raise my hand and say that too. And we tell ourselves that the kids in there are doing their homework. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and if they are doing their homework, they did it in five minutes, they got most of the answers wrong, and now they're playing Fortnite or watching YouTube or whatever they're doing. Right. And am I taking advantage of the quiet to build on my connection with my significant other? No, I'm on my phone. Right. And she's on her phone. And yeah, you know, I mean, so we are losing connection within the family unit. And and to me, that's that's why people go to an outside source for stimulation, be it binge watching a series on, a, on YouTube or Netflix or playing a game or looking all beautiful and important with filters on Snapchat. There's just something else that people can get validation from, even if it's phony validation. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a young man uh, named Cam Adair, who was the founder of GameQuitters.com. It's one of the resources I'll, I'll share more with you. Yep. Um, and he came to our camp and he said to all of our kids, how many of you have ever posted a picture on, in- on uh, Instagram? and taken it down within an hour because it didn't get enough likes. I would never in my life have thought to ask that question. (laughs) Every single girl and six boys raised their hand. Wow. Because they didn't get validation quick enough. So they're, you know, in our super high paced technical world, they are screaming for connection. And that's the quickest way, even though it's mostly fake, that they can get a hold of it. It's interesting. There's, I mean, a ton of research studies recently. I know there's a huge longitudinal one from Harvard talking about it's the quality of your relationships that make the biggest difference to a happy life long term. And it really seems to me doing this very, very little social media standpoint, it allows you to have quote unquote connections, but they're so surface and so tenuous that it will not allow you to have the connection needed for a happier go at life. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to parents, um, and like you and I talked prior to this, uh, you mm-hmm. know, about what recommendations do I give parents and things mm-hmm. like that. And one of them, speaking about connection, is know the families of the kids that your kids are playing online with. Yes. So you can invite them over to 
play a board game, go to the zoo, go to the beach. I mean, get involved um, in, in the lives, the actual physical real world lives of your kids and not the online social life. Yeah, I think if that's such a hard thing, you know, and listening to the book uh, Irresistible, I think by Adam Adler, um, mm-hmm. he talked, tells a story about a young man that the best thing about his game of choice, World of Warcraft, was that he got to connect to these pods of people all over the world. But, and while that was great for him on a surface level, it took him away from the real life of the world around him to the point where, I mean, he was a disaster. Yeah, and and we find that kids, you know, everyone is so keen on the the abbreviation FOMO, that fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. But we even find the kids at our camp have a fear of letting their friends down, even if they're virtual friends that they've never really met. You know, right. they're all going to, we used to talk about Warcraft, and I have an oldest son that used to do that. And he was part of a horde, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't show up, if he didn't play that day, he felt guilty that he was letting his friends down. And it took a long time, you know, long before we started Reset to kind of figure out that those aren't even real people. I mean, they might be real people in their home countries, but but this is just an online game and it's completely distracting from real life and your brother and your sister and your real world friends and what's going on at school and things like that. Got it. So as a parent, you know, uh, yourself as a, a longtime camp director, you know, someone who's thought about this a, a great deal, what would be some of your suggestions or guidelines that you would provide for families at home to, to manage technology to starting with those that are just starting out with things that are with those that, you know, like my boys, they, they, you know, turned 13 and they got a phone, you know, cause I want yeah. to know what was going on. What, what suggestions would you give to families on how to manage technology in their home? Well, the, the, the things that my kind of go-tos for this topic are um, no tech in the bedrooms mm-hmm. like, and, and including yours, mom and yes. dad. Yes. Um, because you have to set the example. You can't bark at your kid for being on their phone at the dinner table if you're on yours. Yeah. Um, and no, no tech at the, video, uh, at the dining room table. Yes. You know, eat, eat as a family. Um, in addition to that, like for the people stressing with gaming, I'll say um, unplug the headphones. Mm. And I know we like it quiet. <laughs> but um, if you unplug the he- headphones, um, you'll hear all the explosions and the gunfire and whatever they're doing. But you'll also hear all the dialogue. Right. and the bad language and the communication. And a lot of gaming companies will tell you that it's not our fault. We build in parental controls and no predator can text chat box as they used to be able to do mm-hmm. to your to another player directly. So aren't we so wonderful and we're looking out for you? Well, now where the connection comes from is the audio. I can't, I can't play with you online and send you a message, but I can say, hey, uh, you in the red shirt, that was really cool move. What's your name? And then that, you know, and then it all starts to go. So if you really want to be keen on what your kids are doing, unplug the headphones. Yeah. Um, and then obviously learn about their games. I have parents that play Fortnite with their kids mm-hmm. and then turn it off and go have dinner. Right. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of life skills. In um, we do life, our life skills, you know, they're in college dorms and they have roommates. And uh, the very first life skills are flush the toilet and clean the toothpaste out of the sink because you have a roommate. <laughs> I'm totally serious. I wish it wasn't the case, but that's what we do. Um, And then we switch their roommate assignments once a week because life is plan B and it's not always comfortable. And um, Dr. G uh, said something great at a conference earlier this year that somewhere along the line, we allowed the substitution of the word uncomfortable to become unsafe. Mm. And, you know, summer camp is uncomfortable. Childhood is uncomfortable. Absolutely. You know, that's where you grow and learn and take risks and fail and do it better the next, you know, that, that's supposed to be uncomfortable. Yeah, so is parenting, but, by the way. <laughs> bingo. 
<laughs> but, but as soon as a kid says, I feel unsafe, well, that's, do we call the cops? Do we, you know, right. furlough the teacher who made you feel unsafe because you didn't do your homework? I mean, what, you know, when did that become okay? So really understanding what's important in your kid's life, and maybe that involves playing that game with your kid. Um, I very often tell parents at home, anything you're going to do at home, have your kid do with you. Yeah. Be it cooking, be it laundry. Um, you know, and that might be a bit of a struggle, but they're old enough to do it. You know, unless they're two years old, they're old enough to help. Any kid can drop a Tide Pod in the machine and press start. Yep. So I know we like it quiet, but I mean, we're kind of sacrificing our, our kids' childhoods for quiet time when we're usually on our own phones during that quiet time. And it's just eroding the family model. Yeah. A quick story. When Fortnite came out, our boys were introduced to it very early on. Um, I think it was uh, basically a Christmas break a year ago. Um, they were introduced by their cousins who are a little bit older and they start, started to love it and play it. And so Kate and I sat down and we actually played it with them and watching Kate look up in the middle of the sky, run around screaming the entire time and get, you know, blazed down was an hilarious moment for everybody. You know, the boys couldn't believe how bad she was. Right. She, she thought it was pretty funny too, but then all of a sudden she could understand it. And then we had a way to discuss, we had a connection with the boys say, Oh, that was really fun. Okay. You've had your hour. You're done. Right. Let's, let's, let's move on. And mom can say, look, I know what it is. I've, I've played it badly, but she played it. She, she understands. Um, and I think that I love your comment about getting tech out of the bedrooms. You know, when I was growing up, I'll be honest, I had my uh, high school career. I had a TV in my room because. My yeah, parents, I did too. Yeah. And, you know, little black and white. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, we had, I had my parents' 1978 Zenith that was in my room in 1990, you know. So, um, you know, and I could watch night court reruns late at night. But, you know, the, the grades came home, you know, on a piece of paper that came to my parents. It didn't come to me. So they knew what was going on. And as long as the grades were fine, I could do what I wanted to. Right. Um, but now the idea that you can go down and I'm holding up my iPhone, you know, you can go down this rabbit hole forever. I mean, I've been traveling and been in a hotel room and found myself at two o'clock in the morning still looking at emails or still, you know, looking yeah. at something online. It's like, what am I doing? Where, where did the last three hours go? Yeah. And then whether it's like the light in your face or the thing you just read, now your brain is going mm -hmm. and you're luck falling asleep in the next hour. Right. Uh, and think about too, when we were kids watching TV, networks signed off. Right. Yes. You know, they played the national anthem and then it was gray until <laughs> six in the morning. So and now there's a constant stream. There is no end. If you look at like Instagram or Snapchat, you, you can scroll and there's no bottom. Yeah. It, you know, nobody sees the words the end anymore because you know, nobody rescues the princess. There is no mm -hmm. end. So how long does it take the kids who come to reset to, to physically start to reset, to, to get past the, I can't use tech very, very much? Um, well, we, we plan on that whole first week. We, even, we do two weeks of staff training, which is a week more than most traditional summer camps, really to, to beat into the staff that this is going to be rough. This first week is going to be rough. And, you know, some kids, I, I, there's a tipping point that I call accepting your fate. And they <laughs> yeah. still don't want to be there, but all right, fine, I get it. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of them come to that in the, you know, on the second day and some of them, it takes really that whole first week. We had a couple of kids last year, it took two weeks mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the second week is not that they're not sleeping or eating. They're just pissed. Right. And, you know, they're, they don't want to be here. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because kids have, uh, learned like the unsafe, um, uncomfortable comment. Mm -hmm. Kids have learned exactly how to act and exactly what to say to get exactly what they want. 
but whatever sure works. saw how to do that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I can say I feel unsafe in this classroom and now I don't have to stick around in the classroom and mm -hmm. I miss the test or I can, I know exactly what to say to get out of cheerleading practice or I know exactly what to say to, you know, the, have the doctor be concerned. It's, it's really, I hate to use the word manipulative, but that's what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll get the kids on good sleep schedules and good eating habits and, you know, they kind of snap out of it for lack of a better term, um, mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, they're more tired than anything, especially if they're used to being up till three in the morning, you know, in the bottom right. of the technology. Um, and then it's just kind of about acceptance. You know, they really don't want to be here. We have, we had one kid last year who, uh, every time we took a group photo, he did his very best to look as sad and miserable as possible. You know, the mm -hmm. slumped shoulders and the sad face. So I actually kind of followed him around camp for a couple of days and got really great candidates of him playing soccer and having a good time and in the cooking <laughs> class and all this other stuff. So we call it happy, happy Jimmy, sad Jimmy, like the happy <laughs> mom, sad mom. So, you know, and it's because he knows mom's going to see the picture at some point and maybe I'm emailing it tonight and maybe she'll say, oh, my, my poor angel's not happy. I'm going to come get it. But I'm communicating with all the parents anyway. They they've seen it all. They, yeah. They're used to it all. Yeah. They write letters home with the foulest language in the world, and they claim migraines and they claim panic attacks. Anything they can say to try to get rescued so they can go right. home and get their tech. Um, yeah. And no one no one buys it. So it takes them a while to figure out that life is changing a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. We see our kids. You know, we'll we'll have 450 kids show up at a pop, and you know the older half basically every one of them's got a phone. Like I, I can't think of a kid who probably doesn't pass right. 13 years old or, you know, a game oh, system yeah. or something. And yet it's really interesting. Every one of them, when we have conversations about technology, which we do, because we don't allow it at all at, at camp, you know, you can listen to music, but no games, no phones, no internet, none of that stuff. Um, and they all say within the first three or four days, it's so much better without my phone. Yeah. As, as soon as they get used to not having it, they're, they sleep better. They're more active. They're actually having conversations with real life humans. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful to see. Yeah. But I, I kind of worry that the reason why that happens can't really happen at home or not nearly as well, because at camp you've got, you know, you've got two dozen, three dozen, four dozen kids right around your age group, all there for the same reason. Let's go have a good time and let's make some new friends. We've got kids coming from all over the place. How can we translate that back home? So that families can then say, all right, you know, we're, we're pulling the plug on tech right now. Let's, let's go do something as, as a family or with your friends. Well, I recommend to a lot of uh, families who go to traditional camps in, in addition to going to our camps is that they do some of their own self-assessment and their own hard work while the kid is at camp. Mm -hmm. So when the kid comes home, there's kind of a new system in place yeah. uh, because camp, any camp, summer, summer camp puts a kid on a good trajectory. Yeah, uh, which is why you know I'm such a believer in the curative effect of the summer camp model, which is why I'm using it for this program. Mm -hmm. um, and if your kid can come home from camp and there's no tech in the bedroom anymore, right. and mom and dad aren't on their phones at dinner anymore, yep. you know, and if they're establishing some of their own better habits, you know, like uh, we tell our kids, I'm not, I'm not ever going to tell you don't ever game, and I'm not ever going to tell you not to be on social media because that's not possible in mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. uh, which would be different from like an alcohol treatment program. You could go the rest of your life and never drink right. and you'd, you'd survive. But in our world, you need to check in for that flight and check your email and work an ATM machine. And I did, a, I was at a drive through uh, restaurant and it said, Hey, you know, we're hiring text jobs to this number. I mean, you, <laughs> you're applying for a number digitally. 
<laughs> or applying for a job. And it's like, wow, this is just out of control. Man. So, you know, we have to be realistic with our campers and our families about what is and isn't possible. Yeah. But it's a whole family curative model. It's not fix my kid. It was interesting. One night uh, recently we had dinner with friends and uh, we have two f- sets of families sitting around the dinner table and we had a great night and we're talking and um, one of the other parents' phones started ringing and th- they could hear it in their pocket. And the child looked over and said, you know, mom, your phone's ringing. And she said, that's okay. And she just, you know, touched her pocket and turned off the ringer. She said, aren't you going to get that? She goes, no, we're at the dinner table. I thought, oh, that's a perfect lesson. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something I think I agree we all need to do more of. So uh, what, what resources would you provide? I know you've got lots on, on the Reset um, uh, website, but what are some of the things that, that you would say to parents, go read this, go look at this, go take this quiz or assessment? Yeah, if you go to our website, which is ResetSummerCamp.com, the very first thing that pops up is the quiz. Mm-hmm. You know, is my kid addicted to technology is, I think, the wording of it. And you can yeah. take the online quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it gives you a you know a number readout about it, and what's funny it, it, by the time you're a parent taking this quiz you already know yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then you can actually click the apply portal um, without actually signing up for camp because nobody sign nobody enrolls in our camp you have to apply and then the PhD reviews your your questionnaire and stuff like that but you can go to the questionnaire and answer all those questions and see what it is we're looking for. Um, but then another fabulous resource I mentioned earlier is gamequitters.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Game Quitters was founded by um, uh, now a friend of mine, a young man named Cam Adair, who himself was the uh, depressed, bullied, suicidal teen boy hiding in gaming. Yeah, uh, He's from Canada, and he managed to uh, pull himself out of it um, on his own. And now he like travels the world and speaks to education groups and parent groups and comes to speak to our kids camps. But if you go to gamequitters.com, there's tons of resources that he's put together over the past several years, um, that, that help with, uh, detoxing kids, not just from games, but social media and other things. And, uh, he and I share information all the time about latest trends and, you know, loot boxes is like the latest thing right now, which is sort of gambling inside a video game. So states are getting concerned that, A, it's going to lead to gambling addiction, gaming addiction lead to gambling addiction, but also it's, you know, spending mom's credit card in the game yeah. to buy fake money, to spend fake money on some, you know, a selection of three boxes that might win you more fake stuff. Basically, that's a slot machine when right. you break it down. Yeah. So that's gambling and you're 12. Yeah. <laughs> and that's mom's credit card. So I mean, exactly. it's not your money. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. And I sad to say it's only getting more intense. You know, yeah. you can, um, one challenge I have is you can uh, get a full ride scholarship to UCLA for being an e-sports athlete. You know, you yep. can, you can go the, the days of saying, turn that off, go play with your friends. The, the kid says, I am playing with my friends. Yeah. The, the far side, uh, Car- cartoon from Larson has finally come to fruition. Yeah. yeah. Kid watch it. I'll, I'll, I'll find that and put it up on the website. But I remember looking that at, back in the eighties and like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. That's no way. And also thought, wouldn't that be cool? You know, as a, as a 10 or 11 year old. And now I see my 11 year old say, dad, you know, maybe I could do that. Like, Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. It makes you want to cry. So yeah. one thing that you said, and I just want to quickly touch on this, although it's probably not a quick conversation. You said <laughs> boys, boys are hiding in games. Is that what is that what's going on? Well, 
I use the word hiding sometimes because, um, you know, when people play video, anyone plays video games, you do it for the dopamine hit. You do it for the success. You know, I'm Joe Schmo in my real life, but I'm Thundar the Barbarian in the game. And I'm this big, strong, ripped, muscular dude. And I'm exploding things. And I'm getting the girl and I'm doing whatever I'm doing in the game. Right. And um, so there, there is a, a rush to, to doing that. And, um, you know, like I say, moderation, you know, if they're managing their lives and they want, want to do that, that, you know, I used to play Mario. I enjoyed rescuing the princess, sure, but sure. Then, then the screen said the end and you turned it off and you went and did something else. Right. Um, so it's, it's the constant stream. You know, I have some uh, medical friends that talk about cortisol and dopamine. Mm-hmm. And these are things that naturally occur in your brain under very, very specific circumstances. You know, cortisol is fight or flight. Right. So that's panic and, oh, my God, we're going to die. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. And the quarter, uh, the dopamine is the pleasure and the you know sex and food and things that, that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And these games are pumping it into kids' brains like every 10 minutes for 20 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and some, some early brain research is showing um, what's called early brain maturation in the brain scans of gamers. And again, that's a, like a PhD term, hmm, sure. early, early brain maturation. What could that mean? Well, I'm a camp director. I'm going to tell you that means you're screwed up. I, yeah. I'll just go right to the end. Yeah, the, the chemicals uh, are so imbalanced at that point. What I think boys' brains don't fully mature until they're 25, at least the, their frontal cortex. And yeah. you know, if they've got those early onset levels of cortisol and dopamine and they've become inured to that, then holy cow, that's going to lead to a, a lot of troubles down, down the road. Oh, I'm guessing you know, you do this, this clinical study 20 years from now and you're going to discover you know, early onset Alzheimer's, early onset dementia in 40-year-olds who were gaming nonstop when they were teenagers. That's but that's just me and my crystal ball. But well, but it, my, my crystal ball says like you go to camp, it'll, it'll help you get away from all this stuff and, and really connect. But I also, I love the idea that we as families have got to do stuff together back home because we, the parents are setting the example. And there was a really neat, I think it's called moment is an app which, which tracks how much time you're actually on your phone where you can look at it. And I think people, the research said that they thought they were averaging like 10 times looking at a day for as much as an hour. It was really 40 times a day for three hours, you know, or so, yeah. so off with how much we, we use these, you know, wonderful devices allow us to connect everywhere, you know, and yet it's also the, the trap that also can keep us going forever down that road. Yeah. And, you know, like we're having this conversation virtually. Right. So we're, we're using technology. Yep. You know, I say use your superpowers for good and not for evil. Here, here. And, you know, and everyone's usage is different. Excellent. And you know, we have kids that, that don't have the you know, nuclear mom and dad home life. And, mm-hmm. and we tell them in a therapeutic model that um, that's that much more on them right. to take control of their lives. And if you don't have the support at home that we wish you had, then you have to be your own support. Yeah, that's hard. Awesome. Yeah, really tough. Well, Michael, you know, campfire's dwindling down here, and I, I know you've got other things to go on to today, and I, I really, really appreciate your time and, and, and what you're doing with, with Reset. I think that it's such a huge piece. If people want to learn more, is the website the best way to go? Yeah, ResetSummerCamp.com is the best way to go learn about everything we do. Um, there's links to videos and, and different um, bits of news media and blog posts and things that uh, have been written for and about us. Um, and then my contact information's on there too. You know, it's M first initial and Jacobus at reset summer camp. Anyone can send me a message or a question or whatever. And I, I get to them as fast as I can. Fantastic. Uh, well, Michael, thank you so much for spending some time with me around the campfire. 
My pleasure. It's been a blast. Thanks. Spending time with Michael has me thinking that I need to do a better job in my house at leading our boys, by example. Less staring at the phone for the latest emails and updates and news when I'm not sitting at my desk. Distracted parenting is a dangerous precedent to set. And don't even get me started about distracted driving. One of the things that I selfishly love about camp is the lack of tech. Taking several weeks a year almost completely free and completely removed from my phone is a wonderful respite. Perhaps we can all take a morning or an afternoon or even gasp a whole day each week to untether ourselves from our tech. I think that will help us as parents and also will help our kids see the right kind of example in managing tech in a healthy way. So that's it for this week. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. If you've not already done so, please leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform that you are listening to. And please tell your friends. Our campfire is big enough for everyone to join, and we'd be grateful to have you help spread the word. Until we talk again next, I hope you have a grateful week. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.